The Lunark Inquisition, a story by James Wyatt, episode 10 of the Shadows Over Innistrad saga. Talia, the guardian of Thraben, was instrumental in defending Thraben from the siege of zombies launched by the necromancer siblings Gisa and Geralf. In the city's darkest hour, she faced Liliana Vess at the Hell Vault in the heart of Thraben Cathedral. And while the planeswalker threatened the life of every soldier under her command, Talia finally acquiesced to her terrible demand. She sundered the Hell Vault, releasing all the demons it had contained, as well as the Archangel Avacyn. Micaeus, the Lunarch of the Church of Avacyn, died during the siege of Thraben, and his successor was killed in the early days of Avacyn's madness. Now, a new Lunarch Council has been established, made up of senior bishops of the church, with a few Cathar leaders in advisory positions. Another great leader in the defense of Thraben, a Cathar named Audric, showed tremendous initiative in organizing the Lunarch Council to deal with Avacyn's madness. He earned a seat on the council as a representative of the Cathars, without an actual vote on council matters. But as the madness of the angels continues and spreads into the Lunarch Council, the two Cathar leaders are struggling to navigate the waters between loyalty to Avacyn's church and devotion to all the church represents. The ride from the Elgoud grounds in Nephalia to Thraben Cathedral had taken days through the cold air of the Hunter's Moon. Her fingers were numb, but Talia's cheeks still felt hot from the flames, and her blood still boiled with outrage. She handed her reins to the stable hand, and shot a wary look at the angel that wheeled overhead like a carrion crow, before she stormed into the echoing halls. Out of habit, she traced Avacyn's collar on her own chest, shoulder to heart, shoulder to heart, as she passed the open doors to the sanctuary. Her eyes stung, though, as she thought of that blessed symbol presiding over the atrocities at El Goud. She was still the guardian of Thraben in name, even if she spent little time in the high city anymore, so no Cathar barred her way or asked her business as she swept up the stairs, down a corridor, and into the chamber that the council had given to the Lunarch Marshal to use as an office. He wasn't there, naturally. Talia shrugged out of her riding cloak and threw it down on a chair, then stuck her hand back into the hall. You. She called to a nearby Cathar, standing stiffly on watch. Find him. She clapped her gloved hands together and rubbed them hard and fast, trying to ignite a spark of warmth in her frozen fingers as she paced back and forth in the small office. When she turned away from the doorway, it was empty. Three steps later, when she turned back, he was standing there. She stopped short. Thalia. Audric said warmly, opening his arms to embrace her. He looked older. His hair had been white for years, of course, except for the single shock of raven black at his forehead. But his face had always looked young. Now it was lined with worry. It's good to see you, old friend, she said, stepping forward with a smile. But instead of embracing him, she slammed a fist against his silver-inlaid breastplate. Her smile vanished. Do you know what's happening out there? He sighed as his arms flopped down to his sides. I know these are not the best of times. Children! We're burning children now! Sin plagued my- Elgod? Yes. This has to stop. Audric Olmach is completely out of control. He's Chief Inquisitor, Thalia. He is control, as far as the Church in Nefalia is concerned. No! She thumped his breastplate again. The Lunar 
council still commands the church, doesn't it? Your council? Adric finally managed to squeeze past her and enter his office. They're not my council, but the Inquisition operates under the Aegis, yes? It has to stop. And then what? How do you intend to stem the tide of the angel's wrath? Do you hear yourself? You think the angels are angry because we tolerate sin in our midst? Audric, the angels are supposed to protect us, not burn our villages to the ground. And we are supposed to protect children, not burn them at the stake. You really think this is what Avacyn wants from us? Avacyn is leading this purge, you know that. If human sin arouses her fury, we must root out the sin from among us or be caught in her wrath. Avacyn has set the example for us, and if she has hardened her heart against the pleas of the wicked, well, then we must do the same. The wicked? What sin do you suppose those children harbored? You're questioning the judgment of the Inquisition? Of course I am. How can they look into the eyes, into the heart of a child, and find evil there? Evil that deserves such a horrible death. If the Inquisitors are putting children to death... They are. I saw them. If they are, then they must have good reason. Blessed Avison gives her church power to root out evil, punish it, and protect the innocent from its reach. They're abusing that power. What would you have me do? Talia grabbed one of his hands. Even through their gloves, it felt warm against the chill in her bones. Speak to the council. Help them see reason. You know I have no vote on the council. But you have a voice. You represent the Cathars. They can't just ignore you. He turned his back on her. But I am subject to their will. To Avacyn's will. Those aren't necessarily the same thing, you know. He bowed his head, but gave no answer. Suddenly overcome by exhaustion, Talia slumped down in the chair where she'd thrown her cloak. Did I do the right thing, Audric? He turned and gave her a gentle smile. They had had the same conversation before, but he knew she needed to hear it again from time to time. You freed Avacyn, and you saved your soldiers from the necromancer's grip. Yes, but I also freed demons beyond counting, and some of them have escaped the angel's reach. They are in hiding. But they will be back. They will all be back. They can't be destroyed. That's why the Hell Vault existed in the first place. And... and I let her destroy it. You freed Avacyn! What if that was a mistake, too? The lines between his eyebrows grew deeper, but she pressed on. What if her time in the Hell Vault corrupted her? What if she is no better than a demon herself now? His face grew stern. You should not be saying this to me. He was right, of course. And she had never before dared to voice these thoughts to anyone. I am a member of the Lunar Council. You're a good man. I serve Avacyn and her church, and so do you, in case you've forgotten, Guardian of Thraben. Talia sprang to her feet again. I serve the principles that Avacyn stands for, that she used to stand for. I serve the soft light of the moon that holds back the terrors of the night. I serve the bonds between us, driving out the fear that would break us apart. I serve the holiness we all aspire to. If she has turned against those things, then she is no better than a demon, and I can no longer serve Avacyn and her church. Audric's face was right next to hers, red with anger. 
I cannot stand here and let you compare Blessed Avison to the demons she has battled for uncounted centuries. Because you are my friend, I am going to urge you to leave Thraben and do not let anyone else hear these blasphemies coming from your lips. Greet! A face framed in red hair appeared in the doorway. Talia was taken aback. She had no idea that Audric's champion had been right outside all that time. Had she heard the whole conversation? Sir? Audric turned his back on Talia again. Will you please escort Thalia beyond the outer wall? Of course. Talia laid her hand on Audric's back. Audric. Goodbye, Thalia. She swallowed hard. No other words would come. Greet held the reins of the horse as Talia mounted, avoiding her eyes as she had since they left Audric. But as she handed the reins up to her, Greet met her gaze at last. What will you do? I'm going to fight. I've sworn to defend the people of this land from the monsters that would destroy them. I'm going to keep doing that. If the Cathars and Inquisitors have become monsters, then I will defend the people from them. If the angels themselves have become monsters... You would fight the angels themselves? Greet asked, wide-eyed. If I must. How can you be so certain you're right? Talia heard so much in that question including the doubt that had robbed her of a good night's sleep for weeks now. But clearly, Greet longed for the same certainty. Talia wished she could provide it. If I'm wrong, well, I would rather be a heretic than betray my conscience. Greet let go of the reins and looked away as she stepped back from the horse. You could come with me. No. Greet seemed to be talking to herself as much as to Talia. But I hope. I wish you the best. Talia. Thank you. Weeks later, Audric still heard Dahlia's voice when some too eager Cathar stood before the Lunark Council and reported the latest results of the Inquisition's work at Elgod. Every time the young man drawled the phrase sin-plagued, he heard Dahlia's voice on the brink of vulgarity, and every mention of the Chief Inquisitor made him think of her words. Ulmach is completely out of control. It was too hard to listen to the details of the questioning, torture and execution, so he surveyed the faces of the bishops on the council instead. Some of them were clearly as uncomfortable as he was, but some of them leaned forward, eyes bulging wide, eager smiles tweaking in the corners of their mouths as if hungry for the lurid details. Was Thalia right? He wondered. Have we all become monsters? A bang jolted him out of his reverie as the chamber door was thrown open. Dahlia's boots echoed on the stone floor as she strode into the hall. The young Cathar stepped aside, obviously cowed by her presence and the anger that burned in her eyes. Thalia, what are you doing here? He asked, breaking the stunned silence. Bishop Jaren stood and folded his arms. The business of the Lunark Council is not to be interrupted. I am the guardian of Thraben, and I claim my right to speak before the council. You no longer hold that title, Thalia, Audric said gently. He saw Jaren smile. The council has removed it from you. Dahlia looked at him, clearly not surprised. The anger in her eyes had transformed into contempt, as if he were a snake writhing on the ground before her. He had betrayed her confidence, informing the council of her heresy. His stomach churned. Jaren simpered. But we are in a charitable mood. What business do you bring before the council? Talia turned that withering gaze to Jaren. 
I come to accuse you, Bishop. Audric sat back in his chair, his throat tight. Talia continued. I bring evidence that you have been in communication with the demon Ormondal, called the Profane Prince, and you are now the leader of the Skurzdag. Jaren laughed. He laughed! Other members of the council began shouting their protest, but the nominal leader of the council could only laugh as he was accused of leading a demonic cult. Show us this so-called evidence. Someone said, and the shouts quieted. Now it was Talia's turn to smile. She had been given the chance to present her case, which was all she could have asked. She turned as she spoke, including the entire council in her address, though she did not meet Audric's gaze. Three days ago, I led a small party of Cathars through the forest of Whittle Parish, near the ruins of Estwald. We sought the lair of a notorious witch who had brought curses upon several of the villages in the parish. At last, we came upon hoofprints in the soft earth. We are still waiting for your evidence, one of the bishops said. Audric looked at Jaren. The bishop sat back in his chair, his fingers steepled in front of his mouth, not quite hiding the hint of a smile that quirked his lips. The trail led us to the dismal cave where the witch laired. A horse grazed on the blackened grass outside, bearing the livery of this council. Rushing inside, we found the witch lifting the quivering heart from the corpse of a messenger, as if preparing to take a bite from the raw flesh. A few of the council members made faces of disgust and turned their gaze from Talia. But Audric noticed that the ones who still stared at her wore the same eager expressions they had while listening to the Inquisitor's report. We attempted to subdue the witch, but... She fought like a fury with demonic power at her command. We had no choice but to kill her. Conveniently negating the possibility that she might give testimony, someone said. Talia ignored the interruption. The dead rider was a messenger of this cathedral, carrying this letter. She produced a sheet of parchment from inside her cloak. Dark splatters and smudges of what must have been blood disfigured the page. Read it for yourself and judge the truth of my accusation. The letter bears the seal and signature of none other than Bishop Jaren, giving instructions to this witch in the name of the profane prince. Audric's feet and hands felt numb, and his pulse was pounding. Talia had woven a damning tale. Could it be true? Talia strode to the far end of the council table and held the parchment out, offering it to one of the lesser bishops, Quillian. Quillian cast a timid glance toward Jaren and refused to take the parchment from her hand. Talia scoffed and offered it to the bishop beside him. Three bishops refused her as the council sat in stony silence before Bishop Carlin took it with a quivering hand. Her face paled as she read the page. What say you to this, Jaren? Carlin said after a moment. It is clearly a forgery, Quillian said, though he had not examined the parchment. The whole tale is an impossibility, another bishop said. Audric could not believe it. Any of it. He knew Talia would not fabricate evidence, however much he disagreed with the council. And once he allowed himself to consider the possibility, he had to confess he wouldn't call Jaren the holiest of men. But the leader of the Skurzdag? Chairing the Lunark Council? Of course it's impossible, Jaren said. Seems to me there is only one heretic in this room, Quillian said. He cast his gaze toward Jaren, as if seeking the senior bishop's approval. Audric stared in shock as members of the council began shouting again, this time demanding Talia's execution. Talia's face was grim. 
He had seen her grow steadily more pale as more and more of the bishops sided with Jaren. Surely she had expected some resistance, but perhaps not as much as this. Jaren's influence on the council must have been stronger than she had anticipated. Her hand reached toward her sword. Cathars came and seized Talia's arms before she could draw it, looking to Jaren for direction. With the merest wave of his fingers, he condemned her, and they started to drag her away. Audric, she called, her voice piercing the clamor of the still-shouting bishops. I serve the light. The soft light of the moon that holds back the terrors of the night, she had said. I serve the bonds between us, driving out the fear that would break us apart. And here was the Lunar Council, seized by fear, turning on one of their most devoted servants. The doors slammed closed behind Talia, and with a simper, Jaren gestured for the young Cathar to continue his testimony about the latest horrors performed at Algaud on the Lunar Council's behalf. Odric hurried to the basement of the cathedral, where he hoped Talia would still be awaiting execution. They would not have brought her to hang on the tree in the cathedral courtyard just yet, not without time for the ceremonial observance appropriate to the execution of such a prominent heretic. I must speak with the prisoner, Odric said to the soldier guarding the cells. The young woman saluted and stepped aside so he could pass. Don't speak, he whispered at the window to her cell. We are leaving here, together. What? I said don't speak. He turned back to the soldier. God, open this cell! Her eyes widened, but the Cathar fumbled with the keys at her belt. Audric nodded his approval. At least some of us still know our duty, he thought. Talia's cell door creaked open, and he helped her up off the filth-encrusted floor. He noticed a fresh bruise just beginning to blossom on her cheekbone. Had she struggled? Or had the guards who escorted here been caught up in the cruelty that seemed to have become the norm, even in Avacyn's cathedral? They walked up the stairs together. Greet met them at the top, carrying Talia's slim sword. Horses, Audric asked her as Talia belted on her sword. Should be ready by the time we reach the stable. Well done. Where are we going? You tell me. You said you had other Cathars with you at Whittle Parish. Are they still there? Yes. Then shall we join them there? Yes, I have a lot to tell you. They were nearly to the stables now, nearly free of the Lunark Council and Jaren and whatever corruption festered here. But now, five Cathars blocked their exit. Stop where you stand, Lunark Marshal, the one in the center said. Dugan was his name, Audric remembered. He had trained the young man years ago. Bishop Jaren's orders, he added, sounding almost apologetic. Audric kept walking. Step aside and let us pass. Greet and Talia walked a little closer to him. I can't do that, sir. The apology was gone from his voice, replaced with steel. The bishop expected this treachery from you and wants you, all three of you, return to the council chamber. More Cathars were behind them now. Three more from the sound of them. Eight to three if it came to that. Audric was face to face with young Dugan now, and Talia and Greet faced down the Cathars on either side of him. Dugan, let us pass. No. Audric tried to push his way through, but the sound of drawn steel behind him changed everything. Eight to three might have been a problem if the three had not been among the most experienced soldiers in Avacyn's church. Audric's first swing sent Dugan's blade clattering to the floor. While his former student scrambled for his weapon, Audric turned to parry an attack from behind him. Marta, another young Cathar he had trained. 
His repast drew blood at her shoulder. She had always left that shoulder open in training, and she stumbled backward. Dugan was back, rushing at him with sword overhead. Hodrick shook his head. He had taught the boy better form than that. He ducked below the clumsy swing and jabbed at Dugan's belly, checking his blow before he gutted the lad. He had almost forgotten they were not training with wooden swords. Perhaps Dugan had forgotten it as well, for his eyes went wide and he fumbled with his sword again as a hand went to the blossoming red stain beneath his ribs. A third Cathar lunged at him, one whose name escaped him, and the hapless wretch impaled himself on Audric's blade. Marta, fighting on despite the wound in her shoulder, fell under Greet's heavy sword. Haral came at him then, an older soldier who had fought with him against the zombies. He had years of experience beyond what Dugan could boast, and if his will had been stronger, he would have been commanding this team. He had always lacked that will, that drive. Tears flowed down his face as he faced Audric, blocking the exit. Audric's sword rang against his helmet, sending the Cathar staggering backward, but he kept his feet and clutched his sword more tightly. You're going to have to kill me, apostate, he growled. Audric strode forward and unleashed a storm of steel, driving Haral back from his relentless assault. Haral couldn't muster an effective counterattack. He lacked the will. The inevitable opening came, and Audric took it without thinking, slashing the man's throat open. The cathedral doors were now in sight. Audric looked back at eight loyal Cathars, bleeding or dying on the polished cathedral floor. Holy Cathars of Blessed Avison's Church. May the angels of flight alabaster guide you. He choked on the words. Do the angels give a damn about human spirits anymore? Guide you to the blessed rest, Talia said, close behind him. Her hand traced the symbol of Avison's collar across her chest. Shoulder to heart, shoulder to heart. She glanced up at him, eyes bright with tears, then turned and ran toward the doors. Some part of Audric lay dead on the floor beside the fallen, but he left it there and ran with her, with greet to the stables. As his champion had promised, three horses were ready for them. They barely broke their stride to mount and spur the horses into a gallop, and they left the cathedral, then left Thraben, left their old lives far behind. Fully two-thirds of them were in the palm of Jaren's hand, Talia said, addressing the small band of Cathars she had gathered in a tiny near-hearth chapel. Clearly, I underestimated the extent to which Ormondal's influence has taken hold of the council. The other Cathars shook their heads, distraught. And you knew nothing of this? She asked Audric, but Audric said nothing. He had uttered barely a word since they passed beyond the outer wall of Thraben. She couldn't be sure he had even blinked. He just sat and stared. She sighed and rested a hand on his shoulder. I think I know what you're going through, old friend. She whispered in his ear. I think all of us do. He'll be all right. Give him time. Time to rest. I know. He can have all the time he needs. What can I do? Talia smiled. Remember when I invited you to come with me? <sighs> I should have. I'm glad you didn't. I might be hanging in the cathedral courtyard by now if you hadn't been there to help with my escape. You're here now. So what is here? What are we doing here? Welcome 
to the Order of St. Traft, Talia said, gesturing to the chapel around her, as if it were a grand palace. St. Traft? You lay claim to a noble pedigree by invoking his name. Demon Slayer, beloved of angels, martyr of the needle's eye. You could hardly have chosen a more worthy patron. I did not choose him, Talia said with a smile. He chose me. A luminous mist coalesced in the air behind Talia, turning her hair to liquid gold, and her face seemed to shine with a light of its own. A moment later, there were two faces. They pulled further apart, and a man stood beside her, radiant but insubstantial. A holy geist. Saint Traft himself. Talia laid her hand on Greet's shoulder. Are you ready to fight? Greet fell to her knees, but her eyes remained fixed on Talia's face. Wherever you lead, 